My name's Liana Berry and you're listening to Art Muse Podcast, a podcast about the intersections between art, healing and creativity. Welcome back to an episode of Art Muse Podcast. I am really excited for this episode. I have actually already recorded it twice and <laughs> this is my third time just because I find myself sort of going off on different tangents and being so expansive in what I'm sharing. There are so many different elements to our relationships with our body and our mind and I really find it such a captivating and interesting topic and I think it can really support our understanding of so many elements of ourselves and our healing and of our creativity. So I'm I'm going to try this time to be a little bit more sequential with my chatting and my topics and just remind myself that the podcast isn't going anywhere, that I can always record more. And I think as I started speaking on this big topic, I realised that there are probably so many other people that I can bring in their dialogues and their knowledge base. Next week um, we have a beautiful guest Sophie Ray and she is a yoga teacher from Birmingham in the UK and she's also an artist and she runs art and yoga workshops and is very interested in the body and somatics so I have chatted with her and um, the episode will be released next week and if you're listening to this retrospectively it will already be out so I really encourage you to listen to that episode and yeah I look forward to dipping back into this topic again throughout the future of the podcast. So today I am going to be reasonably specific in my examples and my reference points so I am going to be speaking probably more towards traditional visual arts media like painting, drawing, printmaking, sculpture and I just wanted to preface by saying that that is not those are not the only things that today's discussion is applicable to in all my other episodes I've referenced lots of different styles of creativity and different ways that we can be expressive you know music drama dance baking knitting there's just like so many different um, modalities that we all employ you might be a writer or a poet and I absolutely do hope that today's discussion points are relevant to you if you're one of those people where that's your your medium and that you can find the value in what I'm discussing and just tweak it to apply to your own position and I think there is so much I can say about this topic and some of those modalities are actually even more engaging with the body so it may feel a little bit strange to you when you think about creativity and know that there are mediums that are more actively engaging the body but I am an art therapist who works only in visual media so in some ways I don't necessarily feel qualified to speak beyond that experience and I would love in 2024 to get a drama therapist or a dance therapist on. Brings me to the two streams of how art making engages the body and I'm going to be talking about both of them. The first one is that art making is a bodily process. You know, it's a physical process, so we're naturally engaging the body. And there's a bit to say on that, including talking about some amazing artists that use uncommon body parts to create their artwork and adapt to their abilities. And then I am also going to be chatting about 
the second stream of art making in the body and that is this concept of using the body as subject matter so it might it might be being mindful about the body and its sensations and its feelings and really drawing that out to be the subject matter of your art making so I will give a lot more detail to that and that ambiguous description I think it's important to sort of start this podcast by saying that there are these two ways of looking at it this duality where we're looking at the physicality of engaging our body in art making and then we're looking at the mentalization and cognition of our body and our body's experiences in our creative expression so if I'm being completely honest, I do live in my head a lot. I think if you're a creative person, you're going to be able to relate to this so much. I think for creative people, our minds and our imaginations are rich places. They're gardens full of overgrown, intriguing jungles and bright, colourful flowers and, you know, exotic creatures and just all sorts of things to explore. They can also be places with, you know, difficulty and darkness and and we can become entangled sometimes in those garden spaces in of our minds in that jungle and there is definitely a darkness lightness contrast going on for many of us in our relationships with ourselves being within ourselves can be amazingly rich and satisfactory and enjoyable and it can be a real struggle and strain and oppressive The way that we respond to our difficulties can vary from individual to individual. But for many of us, it can either be that our body becomes an uncomfortable place, so it's filled with pain or alarm and anxiety and stress response. Or it can just be that we get stuck in these cognitive patterns and our brain becomes dominant where we're really unable to untangle ourselves and we're really detached from living in our bodies. And, you know, the harmony that we all aim for is that we employ both at the same time. We have a healthy relationship with our body. We can really feel grounded in it. We can appreciate when it does give us warning signs, but we can actively self-regulate and we know our bodies well and we feel um, healthy and empowered and active. We hold more loosely to our cognition, but we're able to really engage it and activate it when we need it and Our brains are these amazing libraries of knowledge and problem solving and potential. And so the holy grail is to be able to have a good relationship with both of those things and an ability to use and employ both of those things when needed and to support them and step back when we they aren't being useful to us. And, you know, I'm sure you're laughing at me because that, like I said, is the holy grail. It is a really difficult and lengthy lifelong process of getting into those healthy relationships with our brain and our body and they are so closely interwoven i kind of like to think of it as if you're in an elevator with another person and if something starts to go a little bit wobbly with the elevator it starts to make some weird groaning sounds or it starts to shudder a bit too much or the doors don't open you're going to be looking at the other person do they look alarmed um, do they look kind and friendly? Oh my goodness, what I'm stuck what if I'm stuck with this person for ten hours in the lift? Are they going to be someone that I can chat to, someone that's going to make me feel more relaxed? 
Are they looking panicked? Do they look scary? You know, all of we have all of these reactions in, in that sort of situation and we are going to be analysing that other person and wondering whether they are friend or foe, basically. You know, looking to, to them for any sort of reassurance. We are so relationally wired. And if we think about those two people in the lift and if one is our brain and one is our body, then that dialogue is always happening, that we're one is looking to the other for feedback and for support or for signals and alarm warnings and so when we're talking about any medium that engages the body we're naturally also going to be talking about the brain and cognition because they go hand in hand and the benefit of engaging the body in art making is that we're also engaging the brain and it's an opportunity to holistically support both at the same time and particularly with things like anxiety this can be really really beneficial to our overall sense of well-being and just in trying to tackle that self-soothing and that regulation because I know for me like once I'm in that anxious state and then I'm in that real kind of like cognitive thinking state like my body gets forgotten I'm much I'm very much one of those people that just withdraws into my brain and that's where I try to access my problem solving and it's in recent years that I've realized that being able to engage my body is actually really beneficial and can actually be really supportive of whatever goal I've got whether it's to feel more calm or whether it's to be able to handle a different difficult situation or whether it's just to regulate difficult body sensations is that engaging my body actively in a supportive way helps me feel better over all and does help that circuit breaker um, of that anxious loop and that cognitive um, fixation that I can get into. That is a big topic <laughs> and I'm going to stop myself going down that track and getting in all into all of those nuances but it is good to be able to think about I guess why we might be approaching the body and the mind together in our therapeutic or self-expressive modalities Um, and so you might be listening to this with the intention of understanding what art therapy could offer you be an art therapist yourself or you might be just wanting to understand a bit more about creative process and art making for self-expression all of you whatever reason you're listening to this it will hopefully benefit all of you in some way shape or form There were two occurrences in my art therapy work where I sort of started to become fascinated with how the body was actively engaged in art making. The first one was when I was working in a complex trauma setting and I was working a lot with children and co-regulation and self-regulation and just really trying to explore ways with children that had experienced trauma to to engage their bodies in a safe way of regulating. So what happens when we become really activated is that we often lose control over our cognitive capacities. We can't kind of reason ourselves out out of the state that we're in and this is particularly so for children whose um, development hasn't finished being completed but anyone will find that if they get into a really heightened stress response or trigger triggered state that you won't necessarily have access in your brain to all of the information and knowledge that you would have and the reasoning that you would have if you were calm and regulated and you know that's to just to do with how our brain responds to stress certain parts of it go offline so when you're working with people to try and support them through those acute moments you have to kind of think outside of the box 
And thankfully, since I was working in complex trauma, there has been a huge flood of information and an understanding and embracing of the body. And there's lots of people that have written about this. And one of the people that who writes and works very closely with people with complex trauma, and particularly children, is someone called Bruce Perry. And I highly recommend looking through his works if you're interested in understanding that field but I guess I came to explore the body in the work that I was doing because Bruce Perry was talking about brainstem regulation and this concept that rhythm and repetition was really regulating and not just really regulating in the moment but it could be really reparative to people that had trauma and so you know being an art therapist I was thinking is there anything in my work and in the modality that I use that can really promote rhythm and repetition so that was sort of the first instance of starting to kind of like connect a little bit more between the body and the mind for me and the work that I did and trying to explore and understand the way that I'm engaging people in their therapy. Um, Is there a physical element to this? Is there a way that I can alter the physical engagement to be even more supportive? Particularly for people that are in really heightened arousal states that are in really high stress responses that have had a lot of trauma. They're really disconnected from their bodies. And there has been, a, like I said, a big slew of research and promotion of body work for trauma and you know people that recommend really hand work concentrated activities to be supportive particularly in home environments so things like knitting you know the things that have that regulatory hand brain engagement but also are rhythmic and repetitive and I would highly recommend if you do have experiences of trauma and you are trying to tackle healing and moving forward is do a lot of reading and research um, if you are capable of doing that if it's not if it's not too intense for you and try and hunt down a good practitioner um, who really knows what they're talking about I haven't worked in that setting for quite a number of years now so I'm not going to go too in depth about it and I also want to touch on a lot of other topics and the research is kind of and the experiences of practitioners and their participants and how people are benefiting from support and work is constantly evolving like constantly evolving so as I've mentioned in other episodes I think healing is very much like getting a toolbox and like adding into your toolbox what is going to be helpful for you and sometimes some tools work and sometimes some tools don't and what everybody's toolbox is going to look slightly different actually one of the really interesting things to come out of art therapy in the last decade is this concept of bilateral drawing So we're actually actively engaging a a bodily creative process to try and target relaxation and trauma recovery. And uh, bilateral drawing or bilateral painting is using both hands at the same time. So bilateral means both sides of the body. And so we're looking at engaging the um, what's called the right brain and the left brain or right hemisphere and left hemisphere by using both of our hands at the same time. And this can be done a number of ways. There are lots of different playful ways to engage both hands at the same time in art making. And obviously there's processes, particularly those that are more sculptural, that will naturally engage both. There is something I guess that's particularly being explored 
um, to do with drawing. And that comes down to that repetition that when we're drawing, our hands are identically moving at the same time. And I really encourage you to try this. The first time I tried it, I was like, what? You think, oh, I've got a dominant hand and a non-dominant hand. Like, how are they going to mirror each other at exactly the same time? So often they will, like most of the time that they will. It obviously depends on your abilities. So if you have um, a varied ability, you might not find it as close together. For a lot of people, they will. And that's a really fascinating thing to watch is to watch your hands move. So basically, the idea is you just get one pen in one hand, one pen in the other. Different colors can be helpful because then you can sort of see the different lines on the paper and literally just start making patterns on the paper. So a lot of people go towards circles to begin with and you just keep doing overlaying circles and circles on the paper using both your hands at the same time and watch what happens and see if they do mirror each other. For a lot of people, there is a very instant relaxation a really meditative response from doing that and there are other ways to do bilateral drawing so to actually draw something you can sort of draw two halves like drawing one half um, with one hand and the other half with the other hand you can follow the same line so there are lots of different ways to engage your hands bilaterally in drawing in really unique ways and it can be really playful it can be really enjoyable but there is there has been research into how engaging both of those hemispheres of the brain can support trauma recovery and integration what can happen in trauma this is lots of fragmentation there's a real difficulty in cohesively integrate experiences and memories and sensations so a lot of approaches are looking at is there ways to drive the brain to you know integrate these fragments to heal in a holistic way so there has again been so much research so much development in this area some of you would have heard of emdr rapid eye movement desensitization an incredible art therapist kathy malchiotti who works in the united states and has done decades of trauma work and given so much to the profession and has published multiple books she has an article called bilateral drawing self-regulation for trauma reparation so it's definitely an interesting process to look into just to try for a unique experience and something different for fine motor mastery and strengthening your body using bilateral engagement is really beneficial there is these undercurrents to that process that can be more deeply restorative and can be helpful in self-regulation and you know maybe a puzzle piece in exploring trauma recovery as well so you can look at Kathy Malkiode if you're interested in art therapy and bilateral hand drawing I'll link it in the episode description or show notes and there are also multiple articles online that you can read through if you're interested in the details about that the other environment that I started to observe the body more actively in the art process was when I worked in a tertiary children's hospital and I worked on a team that was supporting kids through physical rehabilitation and it the children we saw had had either significant surgeries they'd had motor vehicle accidents strokes they might have recovering from surgeries or having difficulties with lifelong disabilities and conditions including cerebral palsy and so we were working with kids that had really diverse abilities and sometimes were in lots of pain always had lots of goals around where they wanted to get to and what they wanted to do I just saw so much potential for 
how to use art making in a really multidisciplinary way. So if they were practicing getting out of their wheelchair to standing or on off a seat into standing, so that's called sit stand practice, then something like that, if you're doing that at home and you're having to practice like increasing your mobility or your strength, then sometimes even just piecing a paper to the wall. um, And so every time you stand, and this obviously depends on what you need your hands for support wise, um, sometimes you will need both of your hands on your seat aid so your wheelchair or your seat and so that's not necessarily possible to then reach one hand out and draw on the wall but if you are at a stage where you're maybe advancing it further and you don't need both hands on your seating aid then you can draw each sit to stand you draw something new or you color something new or you stamp something on the wall you place a sticker on a face or whatever it is but it can like just give a little bit of interest and a little bit of motivation and it can bring a bit of energy to an activity that might otherwise be really repetitive and challenging and yeah difficult to persist with and to repeat so there's a lot I guess when I worked in that setting I saw so many ways that art making can not only be a motivation and a complement to other practices but it can also be really engaging within itself so if you are trying to move your body more then set up your art environment in a way that makes you move your body more so you might have you know sometimes I encourage people to just get rolls of paper like sometimes you can find craft paper or butcher's paper that comes in a roll and sometimes you can just order it online and sometimes you can just piece together bigger bits of paper with sticky tape on the back but basically if you get yourself a decent sized paper that runs the length of a wall or takes up a big amount of space and then you're trying to fill it you're trying to fill it with drawing or painting or um, crayons then you're naturally making bigger gestures you're moving your body you're having to stand up you have to move along the wall you have to stretch your arms out so there's this way that you can naturally invigorate your body in the process and you can also challenge yourself to use different body parts and that's something that I really love this approach and I use it all the time in my therapeutic work with people when I'm just trying to create some playfulness trying to warm us up into our creativity or I'm just trying to build some rapport with someone you know you don't know each other very well when you start therapy and that can be really like anxiety provoking for people and it can be hard to sort of like get into that comfortable place where you feel like you want to engage in dialogue or in art making so some sometimes we start off with more playful games as a way to sort of break that ice and one of the ways that you can do that because you want to do that in a way that's non-demanding because if you do it you know if you do a game that requires a lot of resources it can just amplify that freeze response people aren't sure if they're doing it right or wrong and you know what it looks like and it can it can be like a bit tough to get going whereas if you're playing a game there is no right or wrong you know it is relational as well so it is building that rapport so one of the ways that I do that is just using different body parts to draw and it can be really comical comical and sometimes we really surprise ourselves about our abilities but it also gets us thinking in a more expansive way and more holistically like okay my body is actually capable of doing something here like you know I'm 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 gonna try and draw with the crook of my arm so I'm gonna um, put a pen in the crook of my arm and try and draw with and that might usually (laughs) is absolutely hilarious because you know we're not used to using that body part but sort of realize oh yeah that's right I've got a crook of my arm 
and like I can engage with it even if it's in a playful way and even if there's like just some scraggly lines on the paper and it just like brings our thinking back down from our head and into our body oh yeah that's right like what other body parts could I use could I use my left hand can I use my fingers in a weird way can I use my chin or am I brave enough to use my feet to take my shoes off and use my feet and it's just a really playful humorous fun way to get us thinking and to get us thinking about the different ways we use our bodies for some people using different body parts for many of us is a choice for some people that's their adaption and that's what I really love about working in the hospital setting I saw so many OTs occupational therapists and physios and psychologists that were supporting kids to adapt the way that they approach things so that they could accomplish their goals and so I suddenly had insight into all of these strategies and these all these people that were like dynamically thinking about in a strengths-based way like how can we get this child to develop skills that might look very different to someone else with the same goal who has different bodily abilities but like what can we do here how can we engage them differently and I think art making has so much potential that way because there's no right way to getting to the end goal there is it's not prescribed as much as we you know do naturally look for those prescription methodologies um, of how to paint this or how to do that at the end of the day fundamentally creativity not prescribed there is no concrete methodology can create however you want and you can get to everybody in a group can get to the same place of satisfaction completely different ways and you know even if they are all approaching the same subject matter they're all going to go about it differently someone will sketch it out first someone else will just start by painting the background and then adding the colors over the top someone else will draw fruit bowl someone will draw the banana first and someone else will paint the orange first like there is so many different ways of getting there that includes the body you can engage the body in different ways of getting there and one of the most incredible groups of artists and artist networks um, that really highlights this is a group called mfpa and their website is imf pa.org and I will link this in the show notes as well and they are a network of artists that are called the Mouth and Foot Painting Artists Association and they have over 800 artists from 74 different countries on their website they they state the MF PA instills in its artists a sense of self-respect and dignity that comes from earning an independent, honest and secure livelihood through the sale of their artwork, free from any charity. So their website is really just about promoting the work of their artists and having these avenues for them to be able to be professional working artists that make an income and I guess to respectively elevate them beyond charity. And that's not to say that charity isn't really incredibly important and valued. But for many people with disabilities, they can sometimes um, find that they're stuck and trapped within a charity framework when they have so many skills and abilities to offer beyond that and to achieve goals within a professional setting. What, how they create art is a large part of what makes them unique and is should be celebrated and identified with. But just because it's different and it's... A different ability doesn't always require a charity setting or it doesn't require, I guess, an overreaching sense of pity. It's incredible to watch people paint that use their mouth and their feet instead of their hands. So many of us are used to using our hands and I 
really would suggest going and researching some of those artists there's a list on the website and some resources on there or googling it because it is really fascinating to see the different ways that our bodies can develop abilities and engage with art making if we go back to that second stream of okay so we've looked at like a little bit into how art making engages the body physically you know we're using our hands we can use them bilaterally or singularly we can engage different parts of our body in our art making that art making with a really rhythmic repetitive construct can be really self-soothing and it can be also reparative and often people talk about well when I'm engaging my hands and I'm busy with my hands it causes my mind to rest causes me to become immersed and to become in it bit more of a state of flow and that's because our brain is focusing on what's at hand it's focusing on the process in front of us and the methodologies and concentration that's needed and that can successfully suck away some of that fixation on worries and anxieties but we can also actively I guess reflect on worries and anxieties and and body experiences and pain and emotions through art making so there are lots of different activities and directives that can be used here one of the most common ones is called body mapping and that can be done like on a really grand scale or on a really little scale so you can basically draw a stick figure on your piece of paper or you can outline your entire body on a large large piece of paper and basically the process is just like reflecting kind of going inwards closing your eyes if you want to and starting to think about where you feel things in your body and then giving them visual attributes so for example let's choose something that's really common to experience is like that butterflies and tummy ache kind of tension that real gut feeling if you were to feel that where would you feel it and I did just give you a clue I did say say tummy aches and gut but for some people it actually is higher than that it sits closer to their rib cage or sits within their back so not everybody is the same but there is these commonalities and that's where the language comes from the language comes from this collective I guess identification with something because we all have can have similar experiences and there are uh, often biological reasons why we have those physical sensations attached to emotions if you're interested in that you can look up polyvagal theory polyvagal theory looks at those body responses to stress and alarm and how our body engages in a certain way to prepare ourselves to respond in survival instinct and certain things go on and offline and our body immobilizes itself in different ways including the tummy and so um, we often get tummy sensations is because there you know is coupled with that emotion is often a physical response to the body so if we're talking about that elevator setting one is feeding off the other so you're getting that whole body response to an environment or sometimes our brain can trigger it even if it's not in our external environment our brain is activating it as if it was and our body can't recognize that it's something physical it just recognizes the message from the brain that it needs to behave a certain way anyway (laughs) um, as you can tell I, I find this really fascinating you can give you can start to give these body sensations and these emotions physical attributes through art making so with the body outline you can actually put it on the body where on you know on your body outline on your artwork where you feel it you can start to maybe color in the different parts of the body like what do they look like if they are a color 
So what does my tummy discomfort look like? You know, is it green? Is it blue? Is it spiky? We can start to add textures and patterns to maybe represent things. You might end up adding symbols. So the lovely thing about body sensations and art making is that they're transcribable when sometimes they can be hard to articulate. We can bring them forth in a physical way. So, and sometimes that has language as well. So if we think about pain and the different types of pain, we've got shooting pain and burning pain. You know, so if you're describing that visually on paper, you might draw flames or you might draw like spiky shards um, where they feel like they are in your body. There is just this process of making that internal experience external. And that can be really helpful to share that with other people if you're in a therapeutic setting or if you're with someone trying to map out patterns or um, articulate your experience but it can also just be useful for you and and to develop some compassion and some insight into what your body's experience is because I'm sure that if you do a picture where you have flames in your tummy or like jagged sharp edges around your chest like what is that you know that's quite a confronting um, visual description and even if that visual description is just to uh, to remind yourself to give yourself more compassion like okay what I'm actually experiencing is deeply uncomfortable and really difficult so I need to be kind to myself like what can I do for myself now that supports me because that is actually really tough sometimes doing these visual mapping repeatedly if it's something that you connect with is the same way to keeping a journal or diary is you can see how these sensations and experiences might change over time or if they reoccur or if there's any patterns around them and you can also actively look at what might change um, or what you want to replace it with and so you can reflect on what soothing and comforting and healing energy or experience in the body might look like there are certain colors and attributes that you can visually describe that you can put down on paper to balance out those more difficult ones and you know where would they stem from is it something that stems from your mind and then you imagine it traveling down your body and wrapping around your pain or around your anxiety or is it something that stems from your heart and floods outwards so there's all of these kind of different ways that you can take mind body reflection and a lot of them are continuations from meditation practices some of these things will already sound vaguely familiar to you and you can do them without paper you can do them just by closing your eyes and imagining you know what sort of colors and textures and feelings that you have in your body but obviously putting them on paper gives you something physical to work with it gives you something physical to adjust and to observe and that can be really powerful because sometimes when we're trapped within like that mind body it's like getting it out and expressing it outwards can just be therapeutic in itself sometimes we can kind of get fooled into thinking we need more we need to do something more about it and yes absolutely sometimes there are medical interventions and strategies that are needed like I said it's that toolbox you know sometimes you need multiple tools but it can also be cathartic and it just provides such a release and a relief just to get it out and to have it physical and to not have to hold onto it all so you know body outlines and um, visual descriptions of body sensations can be a really 
really powerful approach to using your art making and your creativity and this is in a visual art sense but obviously if you're a dancer or a musician like give it a sound give it a gesture there's like you know um ways to do it in a way that makes sense to you in a way that is your creative go-to modality and when it comes uh, our aesthetic standards of our bodies engaging with art making can also be really powerful so you know life drawing classes are nothing new it's an old old artist activity is to do life drawing and to do new drawings many um, art institutions and community art centers will sometimes offer life drawing classes and that can be a really interesting way to become more acquainted with the body. I must admit, I do find it more comfortable when the um, models are clothed. I am such a private person, and I have so I have a memory of um, having to do new drawing at uni, and I just did not know where to look. I'm such a prude, and I was like, oh my goodness, and, you know, 18 year old me was like, where, what do I do? Who is this person, and why can I see their willy? <laughs> and I just like still now, I can just remember that confrontation, and so everyone's going to be different. I still kind of hold on to that a little bit like I don't want to see somebody else's private parts many people feel like that is actually really liberating um, and that we all have bodies and we all have private parts so people find it empowering to to draw the body and I see an increasing amount of classes advertised exploring body image for women in particular and definitely worth looking into if that's something you're interested in if like I said doesn't have to be nudes it can just be clothed models I know that in my local city that they do offer there's an art center that offers both and it can just be a great way to like spend some time observing the body and physicality of it we do spend so much time kind of idealizing the body is linked so closely with beauty with we have these standards and these aspirations around it and there is a high sex sexualization of the body and there is a real ableism around the body so a lot of people that have di- um, disabilities don't do feel really drowned out by these narratives and these standards of like beauty and ability and i think that's, that's across a, actually a large proportion of populations because i feel like we also have a really strong focus on youth so as people age, they really struggle with rewriting that narrative around value and around um, self, self-confidence, acceptance, beauty, attraction, all of these things. Um, and that is a huge topic. But art can be a really nice entry point to engage with that conversation and that topic and to explore your own responses and your own values like life drawing for me was like whoa this is something I'm deeply uncomfortable with and some people had that response and then they were able to sink in for me it's something that just affirmed value of privacy and that's not going to be something that's shared with everyone else but I develop a a fascination with the body and it certainly helped my arts practice as far as like understanding that each body is different but also just like slowing down it just gives you an opportunity to slow down and just see the incredible miracle that a body is all of the different moving components that make up our body and that physically give us so much we have so much we take for granted day to day so much and that's something I constantly remind myself if I have the opportunity to use my body then I absolutely should because for so many people that is taken away um, or they weren't born with that capacity and they and that's 
an ongoing struggle for them an ongoing navigation for them and so for me I try to be grateful for the fact that I have at the moment have use of both of my hands and I can draw and paint and sculpt without having to think about adaptions or having to make adaptions it gave me a new appreciation of the body and also an appreciation that the body is so diverse and that these really singular specific ways that we hold beauty are just not realistic like we all have curves and bumps and lumps and you know quirkiness and different sizes of legs and tummies and arms and you know height and stature and there has been a groundswell movement we are shifting towards embracing the differences in our bodies slowly but there is still so much idealized beauty and so art can be a great way to tackle that to challenge yourself it can be really helpful to have a model to draw from but if you don't have access to that then collect different images and have a go at different drawing different bodies and you can also draw yourself self-portraits are a great way to become acquainted with yourself and to engage your body that way and your self-image that way and explore and reflect on your responses like do you have a emotional response to yourself when it's a great way to spend time with yourself and and reflect on where you might need to put some energy and some work into having more self-compassion or self-acceptance and what can you celebrate about yourself because at the end of the day we only get one body yes we can like work on it and it is good it's a good idea to be healthy and to um, keep it fit and active and cared for but we can't fundamentally change the house we have for this life you know we only get one and we don't know how long for and we don't know how long we will be given health in our bodies so i am firm firm believer to approach our bodies with gratitude is hard i have my days i think we all have our days where we wish for something different and we pick it apart and we self-criticize and we kind of get drowned and down and bogged in but building a practice where you do have an appreciation or you you have an awareness of your patterns or the narratives in your mind the stories you tell yourself about your body question if you have a lot of negative stories about your body like question where they come from because when you're drawing a body you're drawing a body like you're drawing a physical thing it's no different to drawing teddy a teddy bear or you know a building like it is a physical thing that you're describing on paper and you have creative license absolutely to capture an essence of that in whatever shape or form but there is no right or wrong is no right or wrong body it is just a body a unique one and what you will actually find when you do more and more life drawing or more and more portraiture is that those things that are imperfections or quirky traits that might not be seen across lots of other bodies are actually what makes yourself your expression your art making and the process of capturing it way more interesting it is the variations between our bodies that make it creating artwork about people endlessly fascinating because each time you do it it's going to be different so i highly advocate for you to give it a go it's actually timely as i do this podcast record this podcast because i'm preparing for a workshop in albany where i live where we are going to be doing henry matisse inspired artworks so henry matisse underwent surgery i think it was 1941 and he his recovery and the time after his surgery 
meant that he wasn't physically able to engage with his art making in a way that he once did. So he, I guess, was looking for other creative methods where he could still have self-expression and still be satisfied and creative. So him and also his studio assistant created these artworks, which are some of his most famous artworks. They would paint paper, certain colours, and then they would cut it out into, they'd be cut into different shapes and then they would be arranged into images. So the body of work, it was referred to as the cutouts. But he often did poses of the body. And you can see from his work that there is something so captivating about them I really love them but they're not perfect and I think that when you look at any artwork where the body is included you see the glorious imperfections and some of that is from the origin some of them is it some of it is the fact that whatever whoever they were drawing had this amazing individuality but so often it is also from the artist and that they are capturing the essence of that person or their own feelings or something else atmospheric that creates and imperfection and so art making in that sense when you engage the body can really be a great way to challenge perfection and ideals and to push against some of those common narratives i did just want to touch on one last thing before i finish up this episode and that is the concept of using art as a salve for our immobile bodies so quite a few years ago now i had surgery and the physical recovery as it always is is you know anyone that's had surgery will know that there is a process of feeling I wasn't feeling very great (laughs) for quite a while but psychologically for me there was a lot to wrap my head around and my anxiety was terrible and um, I often have a really acute anxiety after surgeries unfortunately I've had to have quite a few and my husband um, gave me (laughs) to help my recovery he gave me a pot plant like a, a terracotta pot plant and got my paints out and said okay you need to paint a pot plant and I remember thinking like really like do I have to like I'm not feeling very well and I just feel so anxious and overwhelmed and physically terrible and he persisted and said no 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 I just think it's a great idea and we did actually end up creating a little series of pot plants together he painted a couple as well but I kicked things off and I was so grateful in that moment that he recognized I needed something to engage my mind and my body and you know being creative he could see what I needed um, was creative a couple of things is that it can be a really nice activity when we are immobile like what might have helped my anxiety was going for a great big walk or a swim or doing something more physical um, being out in the garden but I actually wasn't physically capable of leaving the lounge room basically or the kitchen you know it was enough effort to get from the bedroom downstairs to the lounge across to the kitchen and I know that I'm not alone that that was a period of time for me and I was lucky enough to be able to recover and have I have full mobility now but at the time it was like that my anxiety was amplified because there was this kind of like claustrophobia I did I was stuck in that lift you know my my brain and my body were stuck in that lift just on this repetitive loop and I'm not naive enough to know that for many people that is a reoccurring experience due to chronic illness or face a continuous immobility and decline and heart making can be really helpful 
And sometimes it's just pushing ourselves beyond that initial reluctance because when we're like hurting and in pain and anxious and overwhelmed, we don't feel like we have the resources to start something. So choosing something really easy would be my first recommendation or something really accessible, something that kind of gives you an immediate physicality and gives you some sort of container to work within so he didn't hand me a canvas and my paints and say oh you know do your next oil painting because I would have just been like I can't even think what to do it was like a pot plant so it was like okay well that gives me some sense of like what adding some color and ending up with a physical usable result and I ended up painting different cactuses on it (laughs) and colors and then we did like a whole series of Mexican inspired terracotta plant pots between us both and it was really lovely but sometimes people find coloring in or you know punch needling things that have physical form can be really helpful or you know sometimes it is something that you're familiar with a project that you can work away on but it's something that has to be quite engaging and to engage ourselves there does have to be a little bit of challenge you want like kind of this happy medium of challenge and familiarity like you want a bit of confidence going in knowing I can do this I'm not gonna have to draw on all these resources but I also need a little bit of challenge to make it engaging otherwise you just kind of do five minutes of it and you're like okay my elevator atmosphere is like ruining the vibe here you want to kind of distract yourself and re-immerse yourself in something different so there does need to be a little bit of challenge so I do did just want to highlight that that art making can be this like really nice occupational distraction and sometimes we do need to employ our supports um, to get us there whether it's to go and gather art materials to come up with projects or just to kickstart us and work alongside of us thank you so much for listening to art muse podcast if you enjoyed the episode then please like share or follow on whichever listening app you use If you want to keep up to date on social media, the best place to find us is on Instagram at artmuse underscore podcast.